Have you ever been asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Gwen gets to work. I like talking to people and they like talking back to me. Well, that's what I think. One day I asked my mum, what, how do I know what I want to be when I grow up? My mum said, if I interview people about like their jobs and things like that, well, I will find out and like the people, all the people who who are listening, um, you will find out too if you don't know. Let's get to work. Female Gwendoline, female. Britain's first female fighter pilot. Did I already say that? Yes, I did. Soz. Anyway, let's go on with the episode. Hello! Hi there, Gwendoline. How are you? Good. Excellent stuff. So how have you been <laughs> locked down? Good. You've been good, have you? Is it nice to be back yeah. at school though, when you went back to school? Yeah, it's it really nice. Good. And see all your friends. Yeah. Fantastic. So shall I leave you to lead the way with the questions or how do you want to do it? Um, you can, I will start asking questions and then. Brilliant. <clears throat> and I'm happy to answer anything. <laughs> so I know your job sounds really exciting and all, but what actually makes people think that it's, so exciting. Okay, so a little bit of background about myself. So I used to fly um, an aircraft called the Tornado GR4, and it's just in the picture behind me here, actually. So it's a, a bombing aircraft, and it's a fast jet, so it goes very, very fast. So it can go faster than the speed of sound, which is faster than Mach 1. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Concorde or aeroplanes like that, which they go very, very fast, and they d- drop this big sonic boom behind them, and, it, and it's basically when you go through the speed sound, the speed barrier, you create this boom mm. you don't hear it because you're in front of it <laughs> my job interesting it's exciting it's really challenging it's very very different so no two days are ever the same you don't ever go to work and go oh another boring day in the office <laughs> because the office is really fun so yeah it's um, a very exciting job to have yeah so mandy what is your job title 
So my job title was, well, I used to be in the Air Force, so I served for 17 years in the Air Force. So when I was in the Air Force, I was a fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I've left the Air Force, I left 10 years ago, and I set up my own business, and I became a speaker. So I actually ended up going and speaking to lots of people in schools, young people like yourself, also <laughs> definitely big businesses as well all over the world and I now share my story and I use that to inspire other people to think about different careers that there might be but Mm. also to think about how differently they can sometimes do their jobs as well and then I have written a book um, which was really exciting and I I released that in lockdown which was brilliant so I became a published author as well so (laughs) lots of different titles. (laughs) So what is it called? What my book? Yeah, my book was called "An Officer, Not a Gentleman." Here you go, and this is and this is not for PR, but there happens to be one next to me. There you go, <laughs> an officer, not a gentleman. And I called it that because um, when I joined the Air Force, there weren't very many women um, in the Air Force, and certainly not many women flying. So I was an officer, but not a gentleman. And um, so <laughs> there was a very, very famous film called "An Officer and a Gentleman" with a very good-looking gentleman in it. Um, and, <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so we sort of, I just used that title and made a bit of a twist on it. <clears throat> Do you have to wear something to help you breathe when you're above the air? Yeah, so when you're really, that's a really good question, actually, Gwendolyn. So when you're very, very high up, um, when you fly in like a little aeroplane, uh, for example, like with a propeller on it, mm. and you're flying locally, if you're below what's called 10,000 feet, which sounds really, really high. Yeah. So it is, and it is pretty high, actually. Mm. Um, so when you're below 10,000 feet, there is enough oxygen in the air that you don't need to, to have something. Yeah. But once you go above 10,000 feet, you need to have additional oxygen. So all mm. pilots fly with an oxygen mask on their faces. And mm. that basically um, gives you enough oxygen that as you're climbing up through the atmosphere. So we could go up to, say, about 35,000 feet, um, mm. which is the height of Everest. Yeah. Right. Mm. And you could go that you really do need oxygen so that you have enough oxygen that's stimulating mm. your brain to enable you to keep on mm. working well. Yeah. You really do need air, otherwise you can die quickly. You can actually. Do you know what it's called? It's called as something it's a, it's a it's a when you haven't got enough oxygen going into your system, it begins in an H. Do you know what the word is called? Give me a boy's name that starts with the letter H. Jose. Jose with an H. <laughs> it's a very hard word. I feel like I. It's called hypoxia, and it's when you don't get enough oxygen going into your head, and you and it feels a little bit like not that you would know this at your young age, but it feels a little bit like people are a bit tipsy, a bit. <laughs> so um, yeah, they tend to laugh a lot. <laughs> do you have to shoot because you're in your the title name it says fight yeah so um so basically when you sign up to join the royal air force obviously you're you're joining the military mm. military one of the things that you would have to do potentially in that job is you have to go to areas of conflict or perhaps war zones mm. so you are basically accepting the fact that if you are joining the military that is the sort of job that you want to do mm. and a lot of people don't ever see any any action in conflict but quite a lot of people do 
And it's the same across all of the different forces. So whether you are in the army, the navy or the air force or the Royal Marines, you know, any of those ones you can expect that you might need to fight. And so, yeah, I, I had to I had to go to wars uh, as part of my job. Mm. What? So when you fight, you're normally protecting something. And uh, what are you protecting? So when I was um, where where I was fighting, I was fighting in an area of conflict at the time, which was um, over Iraq, so the Middle East. And basically, there were a lot of problems and tensions that were going on in the Middle East at the time. And so we were defending uh, the no-fly zone. There was basically to stop any of the aeroplanes from Iraq from taking off. We were checking that they were not um, getting their air force building up again. So we were flying over that and sort of protecting Kuwait because they had been invaded by Iraq in the first Gulf War. So we were over there as part of a big what's called a coalition. So lots of aeroplanes from lots of different countries from all over the world came together. Yeah. That is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. it is. And, and one of the really nice things that you have to do is you have to train with all these people. So one of the exercises that you have to do, because you can't just go off and do something without <laughs> it. You know what it's like? Even when you're doing maths, you need to practice it lots before mm. you get it right, don't you? Yeah. And um, it's the same with flying. And so if you've never flown with lots of different people before, mm. then it's very, very tricky. So we would go to America and we would do these really big exercises where lots of different nations would come together. So um, the French Air Force, we had Portuguese, the Turkish Air Force, Americans, ourselves, the Canadians. And we would all fly together in these huge, big flights of lots and lots of different mm. aeroplanes. And lots of people have different roles within that job as well. Mm. So you'll have people that are what's called fighter um, um, pilots, and they would be often uh, engaged with against other aeroplanes. So then you have bombing aircraft. You have reconnaissance aeroplanes that take photos of things. Um, and you have people in sort of different roles as well, things like search and rescue. So lots of different jobs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do probably need lots of different jobs to do. Yeah, and actually, when you think about the Air Force, okay, I'm going to how many different jobs so not just the pilots not just the people that fly but how many different jobs do you think that there are within the air force pick a number Mm, maybe 100 that's not a bad guess actually there are 63 different jobs so everything from cooks so chefs we have um people that do like personal training or you know Mm -hmm. pe so you've got people that are training people to be really physically Mm -hmm. fit you've got people guarding the site they're called the regiment you've got engineers that mend the aircraft um lots of different roles Mm -hmm. even you could be you could join as a band member so if you played a musical instrument you could join the royal air force as a as a a, you know a band person (laughs) yeah it's quite like a lot of jobs that you can have there are and the nice thing there is that you know it takes lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds that all come together and they work together for one main aim which Mm. is my grandpa was a PE teacher from the army I think really oh that's fantastic PE instructor uh, he was an instructor was he I bet he was really fit then Mm. wasn't he yeah probably what qualifications do you need to be a fighter pilot? So I can't give you the exact ones, but I 
about um you need to have your gcse's mm-hmm. um and then you also need i think three a levels mm-hmm. um and that's it so as long as you've got three a levels and, and your gcse's in your main subjects then you could become a fighter pilot mm-hmm. a lot of people do go to university but you don't have to do that at all in fact the air force quite likes people that come in straight from school so they join mm-hmm. at 18 after they've done their a levels um yeah. But yeah, so the three A-levels, but again, the A-levels don't have to be in a sort of science and maths type subjects. They can be in Mm. any subjects. So Mm. it's just checking that you have that level of being able to work to a certain standard. Okay. (laughs) Do you have to train a lot in, and if you do, what do you do when you're training? Uh, you do have to train a lot. So sort of the plan would be that you join the Air Force and you have to go through officer training because it's really important that when you join something like the RAF or the Navy, you become part of the Air Force first. So you train to become an officer first and you're going through officer training with everyone from all different Mm. trains as well. And once you finish officer training, which I think takes about nine months these days to do, Then you start your flying training, and that can take about four years to go through. So a long training, a bit like being a doctor. That's a sort of length of time. And you, but you're never always in the same place. So you would start flying um, a little aeroplane with a propeller on it, which (laughs) say 120 miles an hour. So probably about just about double the speed that you would ever travel on a motorway. And then when you pass that course, you go on to the next flying um, course, and that would be to fly basic flying training. So that's now taking place at um, in Wales, actually, in Anglesey. Mm. And they fly an aeroplane that goes at double the speed. So each time you move on to the mm. next aeroplane, mm. you go at double the speed of the last one. So mm. it doesn't feel like you're going from nothing to suddenly flying a fast jet. Yeah. Like, yeah. But all of these stepping stones, a little bit like education when you do yeah. primary school, then secondary school, and then sixth form, and then university. Yeah you want to go so yeah. yeah it takes a long time but you know each of those courses is probably about nine months long um and then there are little gaps in between where you can go on holiday and things i guess that's sort of fun and sort of stressful because it takes a long time i'm declaring war i can see that got your attention <laughs> stress stress is a disease people and i am the cure in the time I've been speaking, over 80 million people have died of stress. That's another one. That's another one. More. Mayhem. We've got to deal with it. Are you ready to deal with it? No. Say, I hate stress. I hate stress. No, you didn't let me finish. Say, I hate stress and I want to limit its influence in my life, what can I do about it? Anyone? Have a bath? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It is quite stressful, especially at the mm. latter stages, because you're working really, really hard, and you have to do lots of planning for every trip, and you have to do lots of reading to make sure that you know what you're going to be doing on the next flight. And also, when you have a flight, you also have something called a debrief afterwards, mm. where you sit with your instructor, and he or she will say, how do you think that went? And you go, um, it went well, <laughs> go badly. it went badly. And they say, yeah, it went badly on that one, Mandy. And then you have a chat about how you could be better. So you're constantly looking at improving. Yeah. I interviewed a Formula One engineer. Are the planes faster than that? 
They actually are, but we have done, there's been lots of races about Formula <laughs> versus fast jets to see how fast they could get around a track. But because the um, tornadoes or the fast jets have got a bigger turning circle because they're going so fast, often the uh, Formula One cars sometimes win. But if you were to do it in a straight line, yeah, the, the fast jets would win every single time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I thought instead of it just being all questions this cool, we should play a word association game. Do you know how to play? So you say a name as a word doer and I have to come up yeah. with a word that matches yeah. that. That's yeah. a good idea. Brilliant. <laughs> now let's get associating. Okie doke, I'm ready. Cloud. Hi. Guns. Ooh, um, accuracy. Plane. Fun. <laughs> now let's make it a bit harder. Because okay. you're good at working under pressure, I will give you 10 seconds to answer these two words. Don't okay. worry if you don't. Just say, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Suits. Uh, G Force. Shooting. Shooting. Um... Time up. Oh, oh <laughs> no. Well, that's it. I'm rubbish. <laughs> well done. Time for a joke before we go. A joke? Oh, do you know many jokes then? Um, yes, but I had to search uh, a few up. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> or well, one. Hear your best joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Moustache. Moustache who? I moustache you a question before, but I will shave it for later. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good. I like that one. (laughs) Good effort there. (laughs) Have you got any good stories? Have I got any good stories? Oh, I've got a really good story. Do you want me to tell you about a story when I flew with a young girl? So she was yeah. not much older than you, probably a little bit older than you. So she was about 14. And when you get to be 14, you can join something called the cadets, the air cadets. So anybody that's interested in flying, it's a really good thing to do. So you can join the air cadets. And while you're in the air cadets, you do things like a lot of um, marching and you do exercises out in the, um, you do hiking. And you also get to fly and do gliding as well. So it's really cool. And I was a pilot taking up a young girl called Emily and I took her flying and she turned out to be one of the best pilots that I'd ever flown with. And what was really funny was that when we were flying, she wasn't very enthusiastic, not like talking to you, Gwendolyn. She was sort of <laughs> teenage sort of a bit grunting and a bit moody. But when we landed, I said to her, is this something you want to do? Because you're really, really good at it. And do you know what she said? Oh, I bet you say that to everyone. And I thought, no, I've never said it to anyone before. And I said, no, is this something you might want to do? Because you're really good. And it's just like you're doing on this podcast, Gwendolyn. If we don't know about things, if we don't try new things, how do you ever know what you're going to be really good at? And I said, you're brilliant. And she looked at me and she said, oh, my goodness, are you joking? I said, no, honestly, you're the best pilot I've ever flown with. And she said, it's just that this is all I've ever wanted to do. And I was so scared I was going to fail and not do very well. I decided not to try really hard. 
Now, that happens to some people because when you really, really want something, I don't know if you've ever say really wanted to be in a team at school or really desperately wanted to, we try really, really hard. And then if we don't get in, we're really sad. So some people protect themselves by not trying really hard. But what I would say is my school motto was only my best is good enough for me. And it's a really good motto. So if we try really hard and we we do things like you're doing, and I think this is brilliant, which is why I really wanted to come on your podcast. (laughs) Because ultimately, how do we know what jobs are out there? How do we know what we're going to love to do unless we try it? And you know what? I had a lovely chat with Emily and I found out that it was all she'd ever wanted to do, but she'd been a bit too scared that she was not going to do very well not to try. So my motto would be the fact that actually, if you want something, we've got to try it. And sometimes we do fail and it doesn't really matter if we fail, does it? Because we try it again. And, you know, and I really love that. And I think that it's a great thing to be able to do. So, you know, grab opportunities. And I think what you're doing is brilliant. You're bringing all of these different jobs to lots of your friends and lots of people that can tune in and find out about all the fantastic jobs that are out there in the world. <laughs> Thank you. So well done you. If you haven't found if you hadn't found your job as a pilot, what else would do you think you might have done? Well, I was quite keen on perhaps becoming a police officer, actually. So I obviously like uniform, don't I? I don't want to have to think what I have to wear to work. So, um, no, I I quite fancied being in the police force. And so I was looking at how I got into that. Uh, And it's interesting because I have a a lovely daughter and she has just joined the Metropolitan Police Force, so the police force in London, as a detective. Ace Ventura, pet detective. How are you this afternoon? All righty then. And so she's now following one of my dreams now, which is really exciting. So I'm hearing all about how she's enjoying her time in the police force. And I was thinking, oh, I think I quite fancy doing that. So, um, yeah, that would have been my backup option. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have to eat anything like special in the planes? Well, to be honest, even on very long flights, it's quite tricky to eat anything on the flights mm-hmm. um you can you can often have a water bottle that's just down by your side mm-hmm. but often our flights aren't really that long so they would normally be if we were in training about two hours so you wouldn't take any food up with you but i did have one funny time i was flying back from america and to get across the atlantic because it's a huge big expanse of mm-hmm. water we were doing something called air to air refueling and they mm-hmm. you fly in a big aeroplane and they hang a hose out the back and you have a little probe and you have to put your probe into this big basket that's flying. Mm. And um, we were all on ours, and we'd been given some sandwiches to eat because it was a long flight, so it was going to be about seven hours long. So they'd given us a drink and some sandwiches, and when I opened my paper bag to have a look at what sandwiches I had, they'd given me a pot noodle. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to make it. That's why I eat these pot noodles. Less time cooking, more time chasing my dreams. After all, success doesn't come on a plate. Which you, of course, need hot water to fill in. And so I couldn't believe it. There I was in the middle of the Atlantic, and as a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very good. A sound effect and everything. I'm impressed. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was a joke. They'd given me a pot noodle to eat. And uh, everyone in the big airliner one that was refuelling us, they were making a curry and they were all going, this is a delicious curry. And they were all rubbing it in, the fact that I had no food to eat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was that 
disappointing. Well, fortunately, my lovely person, because the tornado has two seats. It has a pilot in the front seat and then um, a weapon systems operator, and they sit in the back seat. He was very kind, and he offered to share his sandwiches with me. And there's a little gap that you can poke them through, and so he offered to share. I did have, <laughs> a, did have some fruit, though, and a bag of crisps, so I had that instead. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to ask, do you listen to music on a plane? Um, you don't tend to, not, <laughs> not if it's um, a training flight, because you need to be really concentrating on what you're doing. And so um, perhaps on a very, very long flight, if you were just flying, you know, by yourself. But also, do you, you, one thing that you've got to be listening out for is the fact that people on the ground on, talk to you on the radio all the time yeah, and they need yeah. to check that you're not going to hit another aeroplane mm. or that you're going in the right direction and they need to give you instructions and so yeah. if we're listening to music it might be a bit distracting yeah yeah i get it <laughs> yeah I, I find it distracting even if i'm trying to work on something because i always start singing along to the music instead oh. yeah exactly <laughs> it sounds amazing thank you for telling me that is my pleasure, Gwendolyn, and I hope it has opened up all the eyes and the ears of uh, many of your listeners to such exciting <laughs> jobs that there are out there. And keep up the good work. Thank you. My pleasure. Can you send us a link to your book? Of course I can. Yeah, I would be delighted to. Um, so I'll, I'll email you a link afterwards, shall I? And maybe I yeah. could send you a signed copy, Gwendolyn. <laughs> I'll speak to your mum and get your address. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did a really good job. You're going to make a fantastic presenter one day. <laughs> what is out of all the jobs then that you have interviewed people for so far? What's been your favourite one? Mm-hmm. Can you think? MMA fighter. Oh, you know what? I know two boys upstairs that would probably agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> the mixed martial arts yeah that's fantastic isn't it and they, yeah. my head teacher oh really did you do a good interview with them yeah oh fantastic that is great well keep up the good work i think you're doing a fantastic <laughs> job and you've got a, you do you're doing really well with your questions as well there were some really good interesting questions there so well done <laughs> thank, thank you fantastic stuff thanks guys bye bye okay bye, bye. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode because I enjoyed it. Anyway, 